0: Uh, so here's what I'm going to do Let's read uh, today's verse It's John chapter 16 Verse 33 We're going to start off there In John chapter 16 Verse 33 We're going to read this verse together And then we're going to pray And we're going to jump right into today's message Here's what it says John 16, I have told you all this So that you may have peace in me These are the words of Jesus This is Jesus talking And he says this This is very important Take note Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. And so what what Jesus is saying is that it's a given. You're going to have hard times. You're going to have troubles. That's a given. That's for sure. But then he goes on and he says, But take heart because I have overcome the world. Lord, as we continue our study today and as we continue um, just processing the emotions and the hurt and the heartache, Uh, Lord, of everything that's going on in the world, um, I just pray, God, that this truth right here, Jesus' words, would just sink deep into our hearts, that we may apply this to our lives and live it, God, that we may take heart and have confidence and hold on to hope because Jesus has overcome the world. So that means regardless of the trials that we're currently facing, Regardless of the hardships that we may feel, we can take hope, we can take heart, we can be confident in Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In, uh, in 1984, the BBC News covered the story of uh, the Ethiopian famine, which was devastating much of its population. Uh, it's estimated that uh, approximately a million people died one million people died of starvation in Ethiopia because of this famine, and BBC News covered it. If you were to do a quick uh, search on YouTube, you see that you'd see many incredibly painful images of people that would weather down literally to bones and skin. You'd see mothers begging for a ration of food to feed their dying children, and you see dead bodies being carried off to be buried. And in October of 1984, this news caught the attention of a famous singer in the U.K., which created a snowball of phone calls and meetings to try to figure out what could be done to alleviate this crisis. And so this led to a collaborative effort between prominent artists and musicians throughout the U.K. and Ireland. And uh, and out of that, a song was born. Uh, The song, Do They Know It's Christmas?, was recorded and it was released. Now check this out guys, within the first 12 months of the release of this song, they were able to raise seven billion pounds to help aid the Ethiopian famine. But beyond that, they were able to raise awareness uh, for the victims in Ethiopia, and they were able to inspire other charities and other artists and events to help to continue to put an end uh, to the famine. And so that song, Do They Know It's Christmas, the premise of the song is that while we're waiting to see what elaborate or expensive gift we'll have under the tree, an entire nation is dying of starvation and have a completely different understanding and reality to their Christmas this year. And maybe you can relate to that feeling this Christmas. You can relate to that sense of starvation. Now, not necessarily for food perhaps, uh, but you relate to a different type of starvation that maybe has you questioning or maybe even has you doubting this Christmas. You know, maybe you're starving spiritually. The pandemic has drained you spiritually. Maybe you've lost the motivation to open up your Bible to hear from God. And your prayer life in this season is non-existent. You struggle to hear from God. Or maybe you're so starved spiritually that you can't even sense the Spirit leading you or correcting you when your life is getting off course. Now maybe you're starving, maybe you're starving emotionally. This, the pandemic has drained you emotionally and you can barely feel anything anymore. You certainly don't feel that happiness and the joy that Christmas usually brings, You're full of sadness, maybe even borderline depressed, or maybe you just feel indifferent. You're just numb to your emotions. I think in some facet, in some way, some shape, some form, we're all starving relationally because, you know, the parties, the get togethers, the life groups, the coffee dates that we used to share are all non-existent right now due to the current restrictions and recommendations by local authorities. And this has caused a relational vacuum and void which has devastated us because we were never designed by God to do life in isolation. So how does that tie in with the Christmas story? Well, like I said last week, I think there's a lot more that we have in common than you might think. And So I have three ways to kind of connect the dots here between the song, uh, the song that, that, we, uh, that I mentioned before, Do They Know It's Christmas, and the Christmas Story. But here's number one. That is that God does not promise a pain-free life. God does not promise a pain-free life. What picture do you have of the Christmas Story? No doubt you picture a serene and peaceful nativity scene with baby Jesus surrounded by two loving parents, Mary and Joseph. The shepherds, maybe an angel or two. And, uh, and maybe you see like a smiling sheep and donkey in the background. But there's so much more to the story. In Matthew chapter 2, we read about the wise men who were in search of the newborn king of the Jews. And these wise men, they were, in, they were non-God-fearing astrologers who were more than likely pagan in their beliefs. And they approach the jealous and ruthless king Herod, uh, who was king in the time of Jesus' birth. And they want to find out where this baby Jesus was born, this king of the Jews. And so Herod sends them out in search for this king of the Jews. But what Herod has as an intent in his heart is to kill this threat to his kingdom. So the journey to follow the star, which so they, they journey to follow the star which miraculously leads them to Jesus, who by this point, by the time that they arrive to see Jesus, is two years old. And they have an encounter with Jesus that would forever change the trajectory of their lives. Well, after their visit, God warns them in a vision not to return to Herod. So when the king finds out that he's been fooled by these men, out of jealousy and rage, he does the following. I want you guys to read it up. Read, read with me in Matthew chapter 2. It says this, Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. Do you guys know this part to the Christmas story? Did you know this part? My guess is that next to your cute little porcelain nativity scene that you have at home, you probably don't have a figurine of King Herod surrounded by murdered babies, right? And knee deep in blood. However, this is actually a part Of the Christmas story. And for the families. Who lost their infants and toddlers. It wasn't the happiest time of the year. It was a devastating. Pain filled moment. As King Herod. Out of jealousy. And rage. Murders. Innocent children. Two years. And younger. And this is where some of you are right now. You're in a season of deep pain. But this should be no surprise, because what did Jesus say? Jesus said that here on earth, we will have trials. We will face hardships in this side of heaven. We will face trials. That's exactly what Jesus warned us, which means that we were never promised a pain-free life. We were never promised a life free from pain, or free from trials, or free from hardship, or free from sorrow. And this is true whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. And this is something that is true for every single one of us. If you're attempting to follow Jesus so that all your problems will go away, unfortunately, I have some bad news for you. God does not promise a pain-free life. Jesus doesn't say, come to me and I will take away all your problems. The Christmas story shows us that this is true. So then what are we to do? I understand God doesn't promise us a pain free life. And what does that mean for me? What am I to do in light of this reality, in light of this fact? How does that shape our reality? Well, that's number two in your notes. You can write this down. And that is that we must hold on to hope. We must hold on to hope. After their conversation with King Herod, the wise men continued on their quest to find this king of the Jews, the promised Messiah. They weren't quite sure what to expect or or who they would find. Let's pick up the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Get this, they entered the house, and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. These wise men, they follow the God-ordained journey by means of an astronomical phenomena, and it arrives at the now two-year-old toddler Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but when I see a two-year-old All I want to do is is pinch their cheeks and throw them in the air and and catch them. And, And I love a toddler's laugh. So I just want to find their most ticklish spot and hear them laugh uncontrollably. But what do these guys do? They're filled with joy and they bow down and worship the toddler Jesus. What is that about? What would cause them to have that reaction? It was hope. It was hope is what they were filled with. You see, these wise men would have heard about a prophecy of a coming Messiah that would bring the kingdom of God to earth, of a king that would rid the world of its sin and would rule with righteousness and justice. They had hope that what they had heard and what they had seen and and experienced was God's promises fulfilled. And they didn't run into a fully grown, miracle working, sin forgiving, dead raising, water walking Jesus. They didn't run to that guy. They met two year old Jesus waddling around the house, probably with a dirty diaper. And this caused them to worship him, acknowledging God in flesh, acknowledging God's solution to our greatest problem, the problem of sin. And this is the tension that we currently find ourselves in. This is the challenge that we fight to have hope in, the already not yet reality of God's rule and reign through Christ Jesus. We know that God has sent Jesus to live and die, and we know that He's resurrected Him, but we are in a tension between Christ's resurrection and His return. When God promised a new heaven and a new earth. The promise of an eternity with God. Away from sin, away from sickness, and away from pain. And this is why we must hold on to hope. We have faith. We have hope that God has proved himself faithful in the past. And will continue to be faithful now. Even in our current pain. And he'll prove his promises to be true. Which leads us to our last point. This is number three in your notes. That is that Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. When the wise men went to visit Jesus, they didn't come empty-handed. They actually came with some interesting gifts. If you go to a baby shower, or if somebody you know recently gave birth, uh, you might gift the expecting parents or the newly parents. Uh, You might give them some diapers. You might give them some wipes. You might give them maybe some baby clothes. Maybe even a gift card or some money. But check out what they brought to uh, toddler Jesus. Uh, Look what they brought. This is Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then... They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So the wise men bring these gifts to Mary. They bring three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And these are some interesting gifts to say the least, but these gifts were symbolic and prophetic in nature. You see, first they brought gold and gold, just like today, was a very costly medal. It was something that had a lot of value, especially for a poor newlywed couple like Mary and Joseph raising a young family. This would have been a highly treasured gift. The gold was representative of the kingship of Jesus. Gold was found in palaces and decorated kings and kingdoms. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the king that is above all kings Jesus is God made flesh and he is the embodiment of the greater king who left his throne in heaven to enter his creation. You know, we respect and we honor those that are in authority over us. But don't get it twisted. There's only one king and his name is Jesus. And he is bringing a greater kingdom than we experience in the world where he will rule with love and justice. The wise men also bring frankincense. Frankincense comes from uh, a resin of a tree that would uh, leave a pleasant aroma once it was burned. And in biblical times, frankincense was used in the temple for burnt offerings in, uh, in the form of a prayer. So the priest would burn the frankincense and it would leave a pleasant smell. The frankincense was representative of the prayers of God's people reaching God's ears in heaven and, 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 and being like a sweet aroma before Him. The prayers of adoration and worship. Prayers of repentance that reach God as a sweet fragrance. Now what does the Bible say about Jesus? It says that there is only one mediator between God and man. It's the God-man, Jesus Christ. And through Jesus, we can approach the throne of God through our prayers We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go or or perform some sort of religious ritual to speak directly to the Father. Jesus instead, the book of Hebrews says, that He is our grand high priest who mediated on our behalf so that we can have a relationship with God. Lastly, the wise men also gift Him myrrh. Myrrh was a spice that was used in the embalming process. In other words, they would anoint the deceased with myrrh before placing them in their final resting place. It was used in burial rituals. The myrrh was representative of the the wretched death that Jesus would have to eventually die. It was indicative of the fact that, that baby Jesus would one day grow up to fulfill His destiny and atone for the sins of the world by being nailed to the cross. And here's the hope that we have. Jesus has overcome the world. The wise men unknowingly brought these gifts before the young couple because Jesus was the greater king that would restore a greater kingdom, the kingdom of God. And because Jesus would stand in the sin gap, the gap that separated us from perfect union with God. And because Jesus would ultimately die in our place, the death that was owed for our sin, and instead take upon himself our sin debt and completely abolish it on the cross. And by all these things, Jesus has overcome the world. Because Jesus Christ was born, and because he lived a holy and sinless life, and because he was crucified as a sacrifice on our behalf and because he conquered the grave he has overcome the world because of this all the pain that we temporarily experience on this side of heaven all the hurt all the anxiety all the worry all the fear the disease the pandemics the broken systems the injustices we will all day one day all be delivered from it because Jesus has overcome the world This is why Christmas time is so special Not because of uh, of the ham Not because of the gifts and the Christmas trees But because love came down God demonstrates his love towards us That while we were still sinners Christ died for our sins So what are you struggling with today? What is on your mind? What burdens your heart? Take heart. For Jesus has overcome the world. And that's the good news of the gospel. This is why we celebrate the Christmas season. As you gather with friends or family this Christmas, remember that love came down. Jesus Christ is the reason that we celebrate. He rescued us from our fallen condition. And he restored our relationship with God. Do they know it's Christmas time? Let's not kid ourselves. A lot of us find ourselves in a season and in a moment where we're just struggling so much. In all different types of ways. But we can have hope. Even as we stand within this already not yet tension. We can have hope. Because Jesus has overcome the world. I'd love to take out some time just to pray with you. Uh, so if if you don't mind, would you guys just join me in some prayer right now? And we can pray together. God, you know, we, we're not promised a pain-free life, a life that is painless and away from hardship. But God, we thank you that you've promised to be present in our pain. And right now, God, for everybody that is listening to this or we will watch it later on I pray that they would sense your closeness in the middle of their hardship in the middle of their pain I pray God that you would help us to hold on to hope because you came you rose and you are soon returning so let us hold on to that hope God that what we experience the pain that we experience now on this side of heaven It's uh, far, far falls in comparison to the greater glory that we will experience for all eternity in your presence. Praise God that Jesus has overcome the world. Affliction is temporary. Pain is temporary. One day we'll be in the presence of God forever. And for that, God, we are so grateful. In Jesus name we pray. Amen and amen.